Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 97.1 FM Talk. On Demand Audio. What the heck is going on out there? We got spy balloons. We've got another spy balloon. We've got something that might be a spy balloon. Then we got other objects. We're shooting them down. Here is the uh, former director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, weighing in on this. Uh, I think they're still analyzing what we'll call uh, objects numbers two, three, and four. Um, but what we're getting is a clear picture that one of these is not like the other. And so it goes back to, um, you know, this may be a simple, uh, as simple as an overreaction to an underreaction. So we know that the first object was a spy balloon. It was 200 feet high. It had a payload uh, bay and a surveillance bay. Uh, we've been told the numbers two, three, and four uh, have none of those things and are, are, are maybe as little as one-tenth of the size, uh, not maneuverable, drifting with the wind. All right, so what's going on? I don't know if anyone knows exactly what's going on. Brian Clark is with us, though. He's a senior fellow and director for the Center for Defense Concepts and Technology at the Hudson Institute. Brian Clark, welcome to 97.1 FM Talk. Outside of balloons, what the heck's going on out there, right? It's a little confusing, isn't it? Uh, yeah, Mark, it is a little bit confusing. I think uh, what you know we're seeing in part is just uh, the government is taking a, a renewed interest in uh, some of the vehicles that have been making their way across uh, U.S. airspace for a long time now, and that they just haven't risen to the level of attention that these have now, uh, because slow, small objects in the air are not necessarily considered a threat. And so as a result, the government or the, the military has been uh, sort of you know focusing its radar picture on uh, things other than those. Yeah, because uh, kind of put this into perspective for us, if you would, Brian, we, we know that there's satellites out there. I mean, we have spy satellites. Everyone's got satellites. But but for this to kind of waft across the country a week from Friday, we go Friday the way that it didn't, it, it crossed right over my listening area here in St. Louis. It was, if nothing uh, else, just bizarre. And then it raises all kinds of questions. And then you do hear other people weighing in, so all oh, this has happened before. And even that same Friday night, there was one that was drifting across, I think, Latin America. So let me start with this. Right. On, on that balloon, and that you, this is your wheelhouse, right? You said this. How serious was that, in your opinion? Oh, it's a pretty serious, uh, you know, I guess, threat, you know, because one of the, what these balloons will do is they're able to persistently monitor an area that otherwise uh, satellites may not be able to watch continuously, right? Mm -hmm. A satellite passes overhead and then it moves on. Uh, so you might have like a 10-minute window where you can see a particular location on the Earth before the satellite has to, you know, continue its orbit. Um, whereas a balloon could just hover there. Uh, and if you're doing some military operation, you, have to, you, you can't just stop and wait for the, the satellite to pass. The balloon's going to be there for hours or days. So you're forced to either do it while somebody's watching or you stop your operation altogether, which is something that happened during this balloon's passage. Uh, the balloons can also get a lot closer um, for the same reason that we use U-2s to go and take pictures of enemy um, missile silos and stuff. These balloons allow you to get closer and maybe get those close-up pictures that give you a different perspective on the targets that you might have to later on uh, worry about uh, engaging. So the uh, Saturday after that all happened, I, I remember, and I played this last Monday, a week ago, the, the talking points from those people who did not want us to shoot down the balloon were certainly in order. Well, it could have fallen on a church or a school. You can't do this. I mean, I have a whole montage of all these people. Well, then, of course, we did shoot it down. It was over the ocean. Should we have shot it down? 
before it even got to Alaska? Oh, yeah, probably. I mean, that's certainly what you've seen now recently is that we've been shooting these down while they're in remote areas before they really enter U.S. or Canadian airspace for very, you know, for very long. Um, so we've been doing that now. And then what happened in part is that uh, because we haven't really been considering these to be a threat, we haven't really been gearing our radars to look for these kinds of targets or, or to highlight them as threats. Uh, so now, now that we are, we're starting to see a lot more of them and engage them before they actually you know, enter U.S. and Canadian airspace. But yeah, that, that balloon was allowed to enter. And then by the time we really decided to take action, it was, too, it was in too populated an area for it to be safely taken down. So what do you make about now we have these four other high altitude objects? You know, they were different, but they were shot down over Lake Huron. A fourth was taken down um, over the country as well. So what do you make of all that? And are they related? Uh, they they are um, they're related in that we are now we've geared our sensors to start looking for these things, um, whereas for years we've been sort of writing them off and not considering them to be threats. Um, but they're so related in that sense. But they are you know unmanned aircraft, um, just like the balloon, um, that are probably similarly designed for doing surveillance missions over somebody else's country. And since people haven't been looking for them, people, I'm sure that adversaries you know like China and Russia and others have. have figured out that, you know, we're not paying attention to these, and they've decided to use this as a, as a cheap way to get surveillance information. Okay, but hey, you, you, you've really, you've said this several times, and I'm just, I think the listeners are reacting the same way. How were we not looking for these? Were they deemed that little of a threat that we just decided we didn't need to pay any attention? Was that NORAD that did that? Uh, yeah, oh yeah. So the, part of what's going on here is that we've, we've uh, post-Cold War, I mean, during the Cold War, we, we had an open skies agreement with uh, the Soviet Union, so we allowed overflights of aircraft uh, to do surveillance missions over the U.S. as part of building trust with the Soviet Union. And then after, this, after the Cold War, we, that agreement was discontinued. Um, but we didn't really consider these surveillance flights necessarily to be a threat, and we focused on things like bombers and fighters and you know, those kinds of and missiles you know, that might be coming over uh, into our territory. So we focused a lot more on missile and, and aircraft defense than we did on you know, unmanned aircraft or balloon defense. What, what do you say to this? This is a Chinese official. The illegal intrusion of airspace of other countries by U.S. balloons is also commonplace. Just since last year, the U.S.'s high-altitude balloons illegally entered Chinese airspace more than 10 times without the approval of the relevant Chinese authorities. True or not, is that something that happened, you think? Um, it could have happened. I mean, yeah. so the U.S. has invested in these balloons. There's a company up in um, South Dakota, um, Raven uh, Aerostar, that builds these balloons um, that Google has bought and used for the Loon um, broadband Internet program um, and that the U.S. government has also bought for various surveillance programs. So these balloons have been used for that by the United States for a, a long time as for its own surveillance missions. Um, I don't know that necessarily they've been flying over uh, China, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if they were. Brian Clark is with a senior fellow for uh, and a director for the Center for Defense Concepts and Technology at the Hudson Institute. So what would your advice be? We have, you know, United States senators, congressmen that are concerned here. Obviously, John Tester from Montana worried about some of the things that happened with the balloon. What's your advice to lawmakers right now and trying to get some of the answers that that certainly people have more than ever right now in the aftermath of all this, Brian? Yeah, so I think one, one question is um, sort of, you know, okay, well, how now if we go back retrospectively and, and look at our radar pictures from the past, how long has this been happening, right? Because we have sort of historical data. We can go back and figure out if this is a common, if this has been a common practice yeah, and we just right. weren't paying attention. Uh, another question is, 
you know, what's going to be happening, um, what's happening in other domains? Like, so, for example, do we have a similar challenge with regard to undersea threats? Do we have unmanned undersea vehicles, uh, drones that are you know, entering U.S. waters and exploring U.S. coastline or U.S. ports that could be a threat to shipping or to uh, port operations? Okay, let me stop you right there. Do we, what, what, what is the best method? I think it's shocking that we had, you know, we, we had Navy submarines off the coast of the U.S. in World War II, which I think a lot of people still don't know. But do we have the ability, is there a good ability? To, to keep an eye on that kind of stuff underwater or not? Uh, in theory, yes, but in but in practice, no. Yeah. So we, we look for submarines, right? So you look for big things um, that either make a lot of noise or that are easy to find with active sonar. But smaller things like unmanned be- undersea vehicles, we don't really have a, a good system for watching those. Now, there are technologies that can allow you to do it, but you just have to invest and deploy them in, in places like ports uh, and, and in, you know, near critical infrastructure. So a little bit of that, that, that has been happening, but it's not... It's not widespread. Or could it be aliens? I don't think the American people need to worry about aliens with respect to these craft, period. I don't think there's any more that needs to be said there. I don't know. John Kirby says no aliens. Brian, what do you think? Oh, I concur. I mean, <laughs> these are these vehicles are, are clearly slow-moving, uh, you know, and as we said, you know, not propelled necessarily vehicles that are um, probably things that have been floating over U.S. airspace for a while and that we just hadn't been paying attention to. And I assume that once we've gotten a couple of them and taken them apart, we'll figure out that they're you know, coming from other countries or they're just private, privately owned vehicles that um, didn't get approval to operate in that airspace. I guess the, the positive would be there's focus on this now, right? Where two weeks ago there was, there was no focus. Right. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. This is something that um, I mean, so in the national security community, we have been looking at these uh, capabilities for a while and mostly in terms of how we could use them uh, against other countries. Uh, right. and so uh, it's natural that we should have been looking at them being used against us. And and I guess I'm a little surprised that we weren't paying attention to these because this is something that the U.S. intelligence community has been trying to exploit uh, you know, against our overseas adversaries for a long time. Um, so, yeah, it, it seems natural that we should have been looking for these threats uh, against our own country. Brian Clark, appreciate it. Good information here. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. All right, take care. Get more at 971talk.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 